0: Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM
1: listening color
0: in partnership with Mish Reya.
1: It's business
0: but it's personal
1: <laughs> oh, uno, dos, uno, dos three cuatro.
0: You see that black boy over there running scared That was Gil Scott Heron with The Bottle, one of my all-time favourites. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we bring someone who's shaping the world of business, and we call those people Business Shapers. My Business Shaper today is a biggie. He's Peter Williams. He's the founder and CEO of Jack Wills, the unbelievably successful Clothes business, fashion business on high streets, mostly around the UK, but not just in the UK. They're all over the world, and you can buy their stuff online as well. You'll be hearing lots from Peter very shortly. In addition to hearing from Peter, we'll be hearing from our program partners at Mishkonda Rea some words of advice for your business. And then we've got the music, and it's a brilliant mix today from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues, and Soul. Omar Avital is in there, Aretha Franklin is in there, and so is this from Joyce Moreno. O meu peão, ele só roda com a ponteira Com a ponteirinha, rasteirinha pelo chão O meu peão, ele só roda com a ponteira That was Joyce Moreno, one of the Brazilian greats, with Mio Piau. I hope I said it properly. I'm sure I didn't. Peter Williams is my business shaper today, as I said earlier. And Peter is the CEO and founder of Jack Wills. And Jack Wills is a great British success. Uh, Where are we now? 1999 it was created. Hello, Peter. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me to be here. You're a teenager now as a business, 17 years in. 18. 18, in fact, yes. My maths isn't so good, you can can see. We're going to have fun. Peter, what, what I'm really interested in, we're going to start at the beginning about how this, this came about. Um, you're an economic student. That's what you did at university. You went into a management consultancy. And then you decided, just like that, to set up a, a business in fashion, selling clothes. Talk me through how that happened. I'm obviously, my researchers haven't done me proud today. Where did that desire to set up a shop and set up a clothes shop come from? uh i
1: suppose before i've i've distilled it down to the the, the soundbite the arrogance and naivety of youth uh we didn't I, I didn't have any idea as to how difficult it was going to be so i couldn't really understand how it couldn't possibly be anything other than wildly successful but when you get old and jaded like i am now maybe you'd point out all the reasons why it wouldn't work but uh, when you're young uh, you're sort of at the start line of life um uh, you just don't see how you can do anything other than take over the world.
0: But taking over the world, people choose to do that in all sorts of ways. You chose to set up a shop in Solcom selling clothes and a certain type of clothes. That that couldn't have just happened in in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So so my
1: my background. I was I was uh, obviously went to school. I then went to university. I had a good time at school and university. Uh, I then got a. Played lots of rugby, worked hard, generally had fun, like 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 many people do. Um, I then got a job, and the job was absolutely brilliant. I I loved it. Um, it paid well. It was really fascinating. Um, but I and and in my first few months, I thought I can't believe I've so landed on my feet here. This is this is this is just going to be great. And then after a few months, I started to think, Hang on a second, there's nothing really wrong with a job and it's quite interesting work, and I like the people that I was working with, but when I look in the rearview mirror, that seemed like a lot more fun than when I looked out 20 years. And it wasn't just all of the obvious sort of fun and games that one gets up to at, at university, but it was more about the fact that when, we were, when I was 21 and all my friends were 21, we had this uh, almost unfettered, untainted outlook on life. Uh, and there's a spirit uh, that that age group has where you, you're an adult, but you're not a proper grown up. Uh, so you have all of the independence and, and freedom that comes with adulthood, but you don't have, I don't know, a mortgage, a wife a husband a boss uh you're all gorgeous not really necessarily because you are (laughs) just because you're young I suppose and so you're standing at the start line and the excitement and the optimism and the enthusiasm uh that everybody has at that point is intoxicating and I figured that if I could create a brand which bottled that spirit that sort of youthful spirit if you like um, then that was going to be a very compelling
0: proposition, not just domestically, but around the world. Ah, so you're really Peter Pan. This is what it's about. <laughs> Stay with me for Peter Williams. I've now cast as Peter Pan the um, incredibly successful founder and CEO of Jack Wills, which I should mention is over in around 90 locations around the world and has a turnover, I believe, in excess of 125 million quid. Is that right? £145 million Wow, crit. there you go. It's gone up even since even since this piece of paper was written for me. Not bad, it's probably going up as we speak. Stay with me for much more from Peter, my business shaper. Time for some more music now. This is Israeli jazz, jazz bassist. We play him quite a lot. It's Omar Havital with Hafla. That was Haffler from Omer Avital, and I said he's uh, Israeli jazz bassist and he's really good too. Peter Williams is my business shaper today, founder and CEO of Jack Wills. Um, and beyond the numbers, which of course I got wrong, which is very nice, because it it's more not less. At least at least it's more, Peter. Yeah. I mean, there's always that. Yeah, yeah, it's we're growing. We're growing. You're growing, which is fabulous. But what you talked about in terms of bottling the youthful spirit, I buy that, uh, and that makes sense, and you're right about that age. Enabling or being enabled to do that, and actually having the capability to do that, and taking a small loan, I believe, or some money forty thousand quid, I believe that it, um, it it took to to set the first thing up. I get the youthful spirit thing, but how did you know what you were doing when it came to actually a store with clothes in it? <laughs>
1: well, I didn't know anything about anything really. Many would say that's still the case. You're just uh, fearless, basically. Uh, we made we just made everything up. I really? guess. really, yeah. And that's one of the most brilliant. It's one of the most brilliant things about starting a business because you you break all sorts of rules, but you don't even realise you're breaking them because you didn't really know what they were in the first place. Mm. And actually, when people say to me, "Oh, I'm thinking about starting a business. I'd like to start a business. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get a job and I'm going to get some experience, and then when I've got some experience, then I'll I'll start it." And and I always think, no no, no, that's the worst thing you can do because actually when you say experience, what you really mean is I'm going to get indoctrinated in a whole set of ways of doing things and it's very hard to break out of that. If you never really knew what the rules were in the first place, it's quite easy to break them all. And so there's lots of things in our business that have made it uniquely, that that are unique about the way, about why the business has been successful, um, which is directly as a result of I just didn't really know what the rules were, so we just did things in a different way from maybe how other people did them.
0: And doing them in a different way obviously worked. At what point did you say, I've got something here, this not knowing is kind of fun, and now I know a little bit, I'm going to open shop number two, and then shop number three, and then so on. I mean, was it a nice simple trajectory upwards, or was it much bumpier than that? the first
1: first two years were pretty were pretty tough. Mm. And it was nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, dot com boom. No self respecting twenty four, twenty five year old ex strategy consultant was doing anything other than talking about burn rates and <laughs> that sort of thing in flashy offices in Soho and I was living above a shop in Devon with my mate. Um so I did have a reasonable amount of, oh, have I made a terrible mistake here. And then by probably the third year, in our first year we turned over £56,000, and in our second year we turned over £59,000. And I said to Rob one day, I said, the worst thing that can happen next year is we turn over £62,000, because <laughs> by then we'll have probably starved to death. Um, Rob's your friend, and, and who, at who that point you, you the yeah. co-founded there. Yeah. and. So so, I said, "Well, if if we're gonna, we, we should, we've either got to go for it or we'll go down in flames." And we found another store actually on the other side of the country. So we were down in the southwest in Salcombe, in in to begin with, and then we found a store in um, Oldborough in Suffolk. Lovely and beach and famous beach. famous sculptures and things like that. Yeah, lovely yep. lovely place. And it was almost like a a rom com. Uh, I was driving into the town with a friend, uh, and this guy's literally just putting a sign in the window saying shop to let and I sort of screeched to a halt and I said is that shop to let and he's like uh yeah (laughs) he said but you can only have it for three years because I'm going to knock the building down I was like perfect so we opened that
0: shop and that was when it took off Stove me to find out what happened next after it had indeed taken off. Um, That's Peter Williams, my business shaper, founder and CEO of Jack Wills. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom, I hope, from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your burgeoning business idea.
1: I'm Emma Walcott. I'm an associate in the reputation protection team at a part of the private uh, department. Businesses of all sizes need to be very careful about how they and their employees engage on social media. We advise all businesses to have a robust social media policy so that staff are aware what they can and cannot say on social media, either for business use or in their own time. Staff need to be well aware that what they say on social media, um, even on the weekends and in their own name, can have a very um, severe adverse impact on the business's brand and that may have um, ramifications for their
0: employment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I'm very lucky because I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business. Peter Williams, my business shaper today. He's in over 90 locations, and I think we plans to do more than 11 or sort of 10 or 11 in the in the next few, however many. It's probably tw- not opening. I think we're months. opening 11 this in the, over the next 12 months. Well, not ambitious enough, Peter. Um, I, I think that was a joke. Obviously. I'm peddling as fast. Yeah, you get, get a move on. You mentioned earlier. You said you skidded up. You uh, to the to the shop. You saw it. Um, you you took that rent uh, that place for for 3 years or whatever it would have been maximum 3 years and that that fun of kind of not knowing what was next how do you sustain that over a long period of time because it strikes me that when you're now employing 1,600 1, people, whatever it is, and you've got a business with a turnover of 145 million quid, you're all over the world. You've got a di- now you've got your digital bit going. It took you a while, but you've got the. I mean, compared to where you were in 2000, of course, but you've got so many elements. This is a mature business now. Are you still having as much fun as you did when that car skidded up in Aldera? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even. am not even completely sure I would have described it as fun. It's a, it's a sort of
1: weird love hate relationship. One one has it. It's the combination of fear that you know you haven't got any money and you don't know what you're doing and and you're not proven. So so all the time you're trying to blag your way into this that and the other. Uh, but then also just the utter exhilaration of walking down the street and seeing someone wearing one of your T-shirts. I mean, it's, and I still feel like that, you know, mm. I still feel like that now. So that raw sentiment is, is, stays. I mean, it's, I think it's part of the DNA
0: of anybody who founds a business. And the confidence, though. Are you – it sounds like you were pretty confident then – in your 20s with the kind of as you said that the the naivety and the arrogance of youth and the fun of it and we were all there I'm not sure confidence is really the right it's more about naivety to be honest but then but now though do you now have more of a swagger do you now feel like well I must I must be okay because I I've kind of made some good decisions here well trust me I've made my fair share of bad decisions as well yeah no no swagger is quite the opposite
1: absolutely the opposite I think anybody who has anything other than humility uh Along with that, like naivety and desire to to be successful, um, is going to fail. As soon as you have a swaggo, it's mm. um, it's the day
0: everybody, all your shareholders should sell their shares. I think. But do you think every day, therefore, you do wake up still and go, "How am I going to make this work? If I'm not good enough, I'm not on it enough. It's not going to be as good as it should be." That, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, what what I mean, ch- challenges evolve, but at the at the nub of it,
1: you've got to make a product that your target customer wants to buy mm. and you've got to sell it to them at a profit i mean that's not new news that applied on day one it applies on on the last day of the business so you have diff new challenges that arise uh, so for example when you're when you're large it's actually much easier to make stuff in factories around the world because they really want your business than when you're really tiny because no one really wants your business because it's not worth their while so in that sense challenges become different but at the core of it you know we are the consumer's right at the heart of it so you've got to really intimately understand who your customer is and what they want and then also you need a team of people in the organisation either directly employed by you or indirectly through third parties and suppliers and what have you um, who operate, are very motivated want to win, want to succeed and and work as a team again, you know, that doesn't really matter how big your team is Mm.
0: they've all got to work together so that that's a challenge that that, that stays constant as well. I want to pick up on more on that. I want to find out why it sounds so simple, and yet obviously it isn't. Stay with me for more from Peter Williams on Business Shape today. Time for more music right now. It's Aretha Franklin with Respect. That was Aretha Franklin with respect. And Peter Williams, um, my Jack Wills founder and CEO, is here with me talking about all sorts of stuff. I mentioned uh, I wanted to pick up on this team thing and also putting the customer at the heart of the business. We've all read the books over the years and they all say the same thing and they say those things. And yet, so few businesses succeed. What do you think it is about your journey and your ongoing journey that ensures that you are still succeeding? Well, I I mentioned earlier about this
1: thing that we had we didn't know what any of the rules were so inadvertently you end up breaking quite a few of them and because we didn't have any money if we'd had a load of money particularly if it of someone else's money we'd have just sprayed it all on advertising probably because that's how you build a brand right and It certainly was 20 odd years ago um and we didn't have any money so we had to think in a slightly different way and we found people who you know liked us and liked the product and liked the brand, and got them in got them in we gave them a load of stuff, and they told their friends about it and It's what we would now describe as viral marketing, and we'd probably describe them as influencers or something like that um but I wouldn't say we could have claimed to have been terribly sophisticated in how we did it, but it was very raw and it was very very authentic uh and word of mouth that you know there's no better marketing than you anyone any of us as consumers can ever have than someone say, oh pete i like your shirt where's that from
0: oh you look good in that shirt <laughs> uh, but the at the heart of it though is as you said a product that people want to buy the shops are laid out in a certain way there's a vibe to them i mean i've i've been in and out over the years but but there is a certain feeling in there it's pretty relaxed um it feels quite informal and i know that shopping generally has become much more informal over the years it's not precious are all those things part of the the promise, or have they just evolved again because you just thought that was a nice way of doing business? Well, I think going back to your point
1: about the consumer, that um, because it, the only thing I because re- I, I, I came out of university and then briefly did this trusty consulting job, I didn't know anything about any aspects of our industry whatsoever. So, you know, retail, logistics, marketing, design, anything, anything at all. The only thing that I reckoned I could probably work out because I've got eyes and ears um, is what our consumer stood for and so i talk about having an obsessive interest in our consumer and when i say obsessive i mean like proper stalking like obsessive and if you really really observe your customer uh into the nth degree my philosophy is actually you can you can sort of sell them anything uh as i've to some degree proved right um but if you don't flip that on its head and you say, well, if you don't really, really, really intimately understand your customers, I'm not quite sure how you can hope to ever succeed. Uh, so the, the one thing that we were, were good at, and I hope we're still good at, is understanding our customer. So everything that we do, talk about store environment, I hope is a reflection of the fact that we hope we've created an environment that authentically just
0: works for the customer that we want to sell to. Stay with me for our final chat with Peter. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Louis Armstrong. That's off the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Dig, man, there goes Mac the Knife. That was Louis Armstrong with Mac the Knife. Peter Williams is with me just for a few more minutes, and we've been talking about being obsessive and about the DNA that goes right through uh, founders. You, you said something about if we'd have had money at the beginning, we probably wouldn't be. Well, we, I don't think we'd be talking now because it would have informed your behaviour in a very different way. And needs must, and so on and so forth. Money has obviously been forthcoming in terms of investments along the way, and you've, I think, in 2016, you kind of one investor was bought out by another, and and so on. Do you think about the money for you personally? It doesn't strike me that you're driven by it, but I mean, that's like uh, an assumption on my part, hence the question. I mean, I see the... I mean,
1: founders tend to be quite competitive people and they want to succeed. The financial, whatever your your financial measure, it's simply some sort of yardstick of success. But, you know, do you want to make more money so you can buy more stuff? That's not a particular driver uh, of mine. Um, I just love what I do. I love, because I, I, I don't really have any particular skills, what you end up, as a business gets big, you get to recruit some incredibly talented people who can do some amazing things, some things that you can't do. So all your job is to conduct the orchestra to some degree, and then they collectively produce things that are incredible. And that is a very, very thrilling experience because you're able to do stuff that you personally would never be able to do.
0: What is the skill that you have, though? Because conducting is not an easy <laughs> skill. So what would you say if you ha- If someone said, if someone of your friends said, or, or your wife or whoever said, actually, Peter's biggest skill is? Uh, I mean, I, I suppose,
1: I suppose, I mean, I've, th- I've thrown my hand in at pretty much everything over the years. Um, but I suppose my job now is you know to lead the vision of the the direction of travel that the business and the brand is is traveling um and to to corral everybody behind getting behind that vision and delivering so friends of mine often say to me what exactly is it that you do join the day and i'm always a bit like mm, i don't know really but that's i do seem to work quite hard i get up very early so yeah, I guess my, my role now is to, is to, is to aspire the organisation and get everybody lined up.
0: Mm. And the, the the fact that you're still running your own show, you've obviously got shareholders and so on, but is that something you'd want to tinker with in the future? If some beer moth of a business came along and said, we want to buy you for, insert number, that sounds ridiculous, is that something that interests you, or are you much more about, it's no. not about that? I, I
1: I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I love it. The world is a big place uh and there's uh, lots of people that we'd we'd love to get the brand in front of and sell to so and it's and I've had some extraordinary experiences, really privileged um opportunities around the world and um it's yes it's 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 not about the money it's about much more than that.
0: It's been really good talking to you thank you and thank you, thank you for your your candidness, if there is such a word for being candid is probably better isn't it um Peter, just before I let you go. Uh, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it so when I was at university
1: uh, I used to listen to Charlie Parker quite a lot and there's a very appropriate track my gorgeous wife called Laura uh, who I met on the school bus when I was 12 Uh, so my, my track of choice today is Laura by Charlie Parker here it is just for you
0: That was Laura from Charlie Parker, the choice of my business shaper today, Peter Williams. He wanted to bottle up youthful spirit. That was the idea behind Jack Wills. He has an obsessive interest in his consumer. And that's really been the focus of how he has grown that business so considerably. And he's in it for the long haul. This is not someone who's trying to make a quick buck. And indeed, 18 years in business and counting would be testimony to that. Great stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place, next Saturday for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meanwhile, stay with us. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM.
1: In partnership with Mish Mishkondorea.
0: It's business, but it's personal.